Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Friends, thanks again for joining us on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Once again, I'm John Russin. I serve as the host and my play-by-play guy, Pastor Frank Friedman. How are you today, my friend? It's a good day in South Louisiana. Summer has not arrived. Well, that's good. Uh, it'll be there tomorrow. I know summer <laughs> summer in uh, South Arizona is coming real soon, too. Oh, that's well, true. Well, dear ones, if you've just joined us, you've caught us in the middle of our current series, Life in the Body of Christ. Frank and I call it the one and others. It's about how God has designed us and equipped us in Christ for kingdom living on the earth. And we're in the second part of a two-part series on the one another that comes probably the hardest for us to deal with. And that is forgive one another. Frank, let me reread our key verse, Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, we've covered a lot of thoughts there, Frank. We've talked about the problems when people don't forgive. We talked about the mandate for forgiveness because it's, it's a command because it's who we are in Christ. We talked about the, some of the problems that result if we don't forgive. But I want to pick up with a point that you brought up last time. You made reference to a, a sexual abuse seminar where you actually raised the question about how to forgive. And you kind of got a stiff arm answer. So why don't we go back a little bit and uh, recount that seminar, your question, the answer, and then the journey that you started to unpack uh, what forgiveness really is. Yes, John, I attended a sexual abuse seminar. Unfortunately, that is a major epidemic in the body of Christ and in the world, in America and all around the world, I think the latest statistics are two out of five kids. So I was at this seminar and the teacher had a very good thought. He said, the only way for an adult to really break free of those tragic events as a child is to forgive your offender. So you set yourself free from them and then boldly love your offender. And they went on to describe that you may have to hold that offender accountable, prosecute them, whatever, but love them, do what's right for them. And that would usher in the experience of Christ in your life. And it was wonderful, but it's for me, that was a big deal because of, you know, my own journey. And so I raised my hand and I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, in response, you just do it. And boy, John, that was like letting the air out of a balloon for me. I was hearing wonderful things at this seminar but then fell very, very short in the practical working out of it. And it was that seminar that prompted me to do this study on forgiveness 
I studied for about two years, and I believe you were there when we launched it. Yes, I and was. And it literally went all over the world, and people calling and saying, thank you. I got a hold of the cassettes in those days. Oh, yeah. Uh, then yeah. the CDs, <laughs> and now the podcast. But we're free because we learned the truth that we can forgive and learned how to do it. So, you know, last time John was so important. It was hard to walk through the damage that's done in all of our lives. But today is kind of the hopeful day, I think, where we can teach people how to move forward. You can't change what happened to you, but change what you do with what happened to you and, and get further down the path of freedom. So I'm looking forward to today and how the Holy Spirit's going to guide you as we walk through this journey together with our listeners. All right. Great introduction. Let's begin with what we see as the standard for forgiveness in Scripture, both in our passage today, which is uh, was from Colossians and, of course, a parallel passage in in Ephesians, says, forgive one another. And here's the standard, Frank, as God in Christ forgave you. And we mentioned this last time. Our sins are as far as the east is from the west. He remembers our sins no more. And he treats us just as if we'd never sinned. And so mm. if there's, there's something that's important we need to pick out there. Yeah, that's a perfect, absolutely perfect and complete forgiveness. But more often, what we encounter, what I've encountered, and I know you have, is we run into people who don't completely forgive. They, they partially forgive. They kind of put it aside, sweep it under the rug, and don't really deal with it. They kind of get it off their radar screen. But there's really only one standard, and that's how Jesus forgave us. And what comes to mind, my friend, is the passage in Luke chapter 7. And here's the context. The woman is weeping as she kisses Jesus' feet and she pours oil on them. And of course, the folks are questioning Jesus. And he says these words, you know, whoever's been forgiven little, well, that person loves little. But whoever has been forgiven much, well, that person has got a real good understanding of the offensiveness of their sin. And so in response, they love much. So part of the first step in really being able to forgive, I think, Frank, is to understand the awfulness of our own sin. Am I getting that right? Oh, I think that's right on, John. And one of the mantras I use constantly with people, you cannot give what you do not have. And I think a lot of people that are struggling to forgive have never really embraced how much they have been forgiven of. Because if they embraced how much they have forgiven of, then they would have to be able to give to others. And so that's that's part of the journey into freedom through forgiving is to realize what you yourself have been delivered from. As Like you said, as far as the East is from the West, remembered no more. John, you know, every one of us has lots of sins on the list that has been wiped out by Jesus. But I think every one of us has those whoppers, if we could call them, you know, oh, yeah. the big sins that we can often lament. And we have to realize that if we go to God, like if I went to God today and said, oh, Father, I'm so sorry for that time in 2007, he's going to say to me, Frank, I don't know what you're talking about, son. That's 
what forgiveness is. That's what we have received. And I think only when we receive that and, and embrace the awe and the wonder of it, that we'll be able to forgive the lesser things that people have done to us. That's right. When we walk through life and think that we're pretty cool and nothing's really wrong and we don't mess up very much. I keep thinking of a verse, Frank, that we have quoted so many times in this particular series, Psalms 139. And it says, search me, O God, and show me. And so it really starts, forgiveness as a process in our life starts with our own understanding. God reveals to us just how much he's forgiven us for committing. And that should make us just fall on our feet, or I'm sorry, fall on our face uh, and before him saying, thank you, Father. I, Wow, what an amazing gift you've given me. I don't deserve it. I owe you so much and I can't pay it. So I don't deserve this. And this is exactly the attitude that uh, Christ in us has now equipped us to show to others. As you pointed out last time, it's forgiving. It's charizomai is the word in these passages we've been talking about. It's gracing, but it's not grace as a noun. It's grace in action. It's a mm. verb. We are gracing them, hosing them down with grace, giving them what they don't deserve. Sure, they deserve retribution, but I'm choosing not to exact that retribution. As a business owner, I'm choosing to forgive the debt. Wow. Mm. You know? Yeah. You know, John, I just had a thought listening to you. I got to wonder if the act of forgiving that we do when someone else hurts us is maybe the greatest act of worship that we can do. Because at that moment, we are traveling the same path of the cross that the Lord Jesus traveled. You know, I never had that thought before that mm. forgiveness, when we exercise it as a verb, that it's actually an act of worship. You ever thought about that? No, I never have. And it's, uh, I like acts of worship that are a whole lot easier to do, to be honest. <laughs> Like reading Psalms and singing in church and uh, going to Bible study. That's, that's more attractive than this. But uh, this is where the grace rubber meets the road. Well, you know something? That's exactly what the Lord Jesus felt too. <laughs> Father, if there's any other way to get this cup off of me. That's so right. I, I, you're, you're right where the Lord himself was. <laughs> that's right. You know, Frank, there's a, we've talked about this last time. There are consequences when we choose not to forgive. And we talked about uh, that we, we don't want to get hurt again. And so we build walls of protection to make sure that whatever terrible thing happened to us uh, doesn't happen again. And of course, mm -hmm. the walls keep out the pain, but they keep us trapped in there too. But there's more to the consequences if we, don't, if we choose not to forgive. I'm thinking here about Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And let me just summarize this. Matthew 18 says a, a guy owed his master a thousand talents. Well, mm. I'm not a, a, an expert on Bible times money. So I went to the internet and I found out that a thousand talents in today's money would be worth somewhere about uh, 1.4 billion, billion with a B wow. dollars. 
You know, so this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous debt. I think Jesus was trying to paint a picture of the immense debt that this fellow owed his master. Sounds familiar with our sin, right? Mm, and so the master forgives him. And then this forgiven guy goes to his debtors. You know, somebody owes him a hundred denarii, which is kind of like three months pay, you know, not much. And then he demands payment. So he took the forgiveness that he received and basically just dismissed it. He didn't understand the magnitude of what he was forgiven and turned right around and said, okay, I'm free of that nonsense. Now let me go clean up my own affairs. And he demands payment from somebody who owes him three months pay. So, of course, the master finds out in this parable, he gets angry. This is important. The master gets angry, Frank, when this guy Mm. didn't forgive. And he delivers him to the torturers. Mm. Wow. So let's talk a bit about torturers and the purpose. Why Why he delivered him to the torturers. Unpack that for us, if you will, please. Well, you know, John, I think that one of the things that we as humanity struggle with the most is the true understanding of who God is. You know, Satan began in the Garden of Eden, perverting the character of God. He's been perverting the character of God ever since. And most of us, as soon as we see that word that God is angry and he's going to deliver them over to the torturers, we think wrath. Oh, yeah. And God's going to get them now. And we miss the whole point of the book of Hebrews, which, again, is so wonderful because it's written by a Jew. And so he's got the old book and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. It's discipline. And God disciplines those that he loves. So I would interpret this passage in light of Hebrews and say what God is doing is he's got this guy who's walking in a behavior that's not loving, but is also self-destructive. So he's going to release those torturers, which I think are simply the byproducts of his own uh, destructive path, and let them have his way in this guy's life until he gets tired of living that way. So I think the torturers would be uh, bitterness, uh, his own anger and wrath, uh, his disappointment in life, his frustrations, all those things that will rob him of his joy and his peace. And I think that's the purpose of what God is doing here to try to bring that man to the end of his critical negative spirit that's keeping him from enjoying God and enjoying people the way the new covenant has been set up for us to enjoy. I don't think it's wrath. I think it's loving discipline. (laughs) Oh yeah. And you know, loving discipline makes a lot of sense to me too, Frank, because our father loves us too much. First, he loved us too much to to leave us lost in our sin. Mm -hmm. He loves us too much to let us continue in our sinful behavior. And to be honest, unforgiveness is sinful behavior. And so Mm -hmm. he lovingly parts the hedge, going back to the Job 1 reference, he lovingly (laughs) parts the hedge and lets misery and anxiety and frustration and anger and disappointment, all those things are said, he lets them in, but they have a goal. They have a purpose. Mm -hmm. It's to make us so miserable that we just give up and say, I can't handle this. Help 
And he says, okay, son, I'm right there. Let's mm. work on this. This is an act of love. Yeah. Uh, and, and when we don't uh, forgive, we're really stiff arming our father and saying, no, sir, I'm going to draw a fence around this area. You are not getting in here. Wow. Mm. You know, I left that one, John. It's probably the most powerful. Self-pity. Oh, gosh, that's right. The victim mindset. We talked about that last episode. Yep. The victim mindset. So yep. my goodness. So there's a real danger when we don't, as an act of our will, choose to forgive. You know, John, you and I have been for a long, long time trying to lead people into an understanding of the new covenant. So with a twofold goal, so they could experience God and then express God to a world that so desperately needs to see what God is really like. But in the 30 years we've been doing this, I would pretty strongly say that unforgiveness may be the greatest hindrance to a Christian in the experience and expression of the living God in their own life. Oh, wow. I think you're I right. really do. It, it dams up that flow of life. And, you know, it makes so much sense for believers to forgive because it's all over the New Testament. But I tell you, when you look at the Gospels, Frank, and a lot of people are familiar with these passages, when you look at the Gospels, you get a different picture. Verses like forgive and you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Hey, you don't have to forgive unless they repent. And so a lot of people get stuck in the Gospels, the pre-cross Gospels. And they try to transport that law into the daily life of grace. And it, it causes problems, doesn't it, Frank? Oh, John, it sparks a memory. There was a guy in Delaware, and he was a very self-protective. Nobody could get close to him. He was extremely critical, negative, always right, looking for what was wrong in everybody else. And finally had a discussion with him and he used that verse out of Luke and his wife had had an affair on him. And he said he did not have to forgive her until she repents. And I took him to Ephesians 430, where it says, no, no, forgive because you've been forgiven. And I took him to Matthew 6, where it says, you know, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And I said, you know, you can't have both of those at the same time. If the passage is, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And then Ephesians says, forgive because you've been forgiven. Those two don't harmonize. So something has to happen. There has to be an explanation. And you said it. The explanation is the cross. The passages you quoted about, if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven, and you only have to forgive if they repent, are pre-cross. And what Jesus was doing was hammering the law there, and it doesn't apply to a new covenant believer. We have been forgiven, I love the way Colossians says it, of all. And, and you know, John, I love to say, you know what all means in the Greek? It means all. It means all, yeah. And and if that's the case, then now you forgive others because you've been forgiven. The cross has changed everything, including the way we forgive. That's and right. that's just glory. You know, what I find cool, Frank, is uh, even in the midst of the Gospels where 
Jesus was born under the law, lived under the law, fulfilled the law. You still see glimpses of the true heart of God. John 8, the adulterous woman. Oh, uh, and he says, you know, he looks at her and says, woman, where are your accusers? You know, so, so forgiveness and restoration and encouragement to walk in, in life are, are throughout the Gospels as well. You just got to look for them. And they're not the things that most people remember, but they're there. You get glimpses of the kingdom to come when you read a verse like this adulterous woman passes in John 8 don't we? Oh, yeah. You know, John, you just sparked a verse popped in my head. Oh, goodness. The, it's around Exodus 34. I can't, can't quote it verbatim. But it was when, you know, the Lord was revealing himself to Israel. And you had Mount Sinai in Exodus 20. And you had some failures along the way, you know, the golden calf and all that stuff. And uh, I think Korah, I don't know if Korah had occurred yet, but lots of failures. And then God tells Moses, this is my name. And talk about a name. He says, the Lord, the Lord God. So he, I love the way he starts. We're not dealing here with some made up deity. This is the big boy. And I don't mean that irreverently, but this is the big God, the real God. And then he says, loving and compassionate, keeping mercy to 10,000s, forgiving. And you say, oh, that's the Old Testament God too? Yes, it is. But there was an economy, a covenant, if you will, of, of law. And so in the new covenant, we get to fully experience that loving, compassionate, forgiving God, because the work was done at the cross, where all of mankind was under the law before the cross. But like you said, it's there in the old book. You just have to look for it. Yeah, that's right. And listeners, if you're interested more in these comments about, about law and grace, Frank and I have an old podcast series that you can find by searching uh, and it deals exactly with law and grace. I forget how many weeks we did, but we unpacked Romans 5.17 and talked about identity and law and grace. And uh, we encourage you to find that and listen to it. All right, my friend, we've got about 15 minutes left. That's a long time. And I want to begin to wrap this up. Now, we've talked about the need for forgiveness. We've talked about what happens when we don't forgive. I want to zero in now on what forgiveness is, how to do it. And I also want to talk about what forgiveness isn't, because my friend, there are lots of deceptions about forgiveness mm. out there. So let's, let's begin with that. What, what do we think forgiveness is, but it's really not? Give us a few examples. Well, I think probably the one that's the biggest lie told in church, John, is forgive and forget. And people will, you might bring up a past hurt and they say, well, then you haven't forgiven or you would have forgotten. And they say, well, God forgets our sins. And I would say, no, 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 that's not really true. Uh, God is omniscient. He knows all things. But what he has done is cast our sin as in an infinite line, east from west, and he makes the choice to not remember them again. So he's omniscient 
but he's choosing to not throw them in our face anymore. God does not forget. He does not have amnesia. Certainly he knows all things, but what he's done is chosen to not make an issue. John, this is such an important one because there are so many Christians out there who have forgiven their offender, but don't think they have because they can't forget what happened. No, no, no. Forgiveness is remembering and still forgiving. That's a whopper of a lie, John, and it has put so many people under bondage. Oh, man, it certainly has. Here's another one. Forgiveness is just putting the offense in the corner, covering it up and not thinking about it. Another way of looking at it would be, well, this offense really was bad, but I'm just going to sweep that under the rug. And uh, it's just too disruptive to my life and the lives of those around me. So I'm just going to sweep that big offense under the rug. But Frank, what happens when you sweep an offense under the rug? Imagine, imagine a softball. Okay. You, you played football, you played soccer. Imagine placing a football (laughs) underneath your living room carpet. How would that affect life in that room? You have to dance around that lump for the rest of your lives, and everybody else has to dance around that lump too. So forgiveness is not just hiding it away and pretending it never happened, is it? Yeah, time heals nothing. That's another lie. We've been told that time heals everything. No, it doesn't. Time heals nothing. Forgiveness heals. I was dealing with a person this week, John, and and I know they were sexually abused. They know they were sexually abused, but they refused to go there. And I think what's going on with a person like that, where you just sweep it on the rug, don't pay attention to it, is it's really self-protection. They're trying to protect themselves from entering into the hurt that took place. But there's a very subtle but very powerful misconception there. And that is that the hurt is greater than God. Mm. And no hurt is so big, so bad, that God cannot step into it with us, with all that he is, and supply us whatever we need to move forward from that hurt. So what happens is by trying to avoid it, they actually remain stuck in the wound. And that's just tragic because they're believing a lie. You know, scripture has a word for things that we place above God, calls them idols. Mm. That football beneath the living room carpet that disrupts the lives of you and everyone else around it uh, can very quickly become the entire focus of your life, the entire focus of everyone else's lives, and it becomes an idol. And uh, Mm. there's no room for God to function like that. And oftentimes he's got to destroy the idol before Mm. he can really, he can really make progress in your life. So it gets to be something where tearing down the strongholds uh, become much more traumatic than they need to be. You know, scripture is really clear, Frank, forgive the same way Jesus did. And how did he forgive? He forgives immediately. Mm. As soon as we commit an offense, ah, thank you, Father, that I'm already forgiven. It's already been paid for. Mm. And, you know, when, the longer we let an offense linger in our minds and eventually getting around to forgiving it, you know, I'll get around to it eventually. Mm. The longer we let it sit there, it grows roots, man. It gets bigger. It gets stinkier. It gets more disruptive and more consuming. 
And so we basically sacrifice our peace and joy and rest because we choose not to forgive. Yes, that's exactly right, John. And, and again, you know, it's, it's a way of self-protection. There's another way that this happens. And that's when people compare pains and they say, oh, you know, their pain is worse than mine. Who am I? You know, or they'll explain it away. I've had this happen several times in my office where a person was abused, but then they'll say, well, I understand because my dad was abused. Well, no, you're explaining away what your dad did, but your dad was wrong when what he did. Yes. And again, if you never embrace it, you can't give it away. And so, again, I think the root of that is self-protection. If I can explain away the hurt, then it won't hurt so bad. And, John, that's the biggest lie I think that is told in church. It will hurt too much. No, no, no. You're making hurt omnipotent instead of God. That's right. All right, my friend, we've got a few more minutes left. Let's spend some time talking about what forgiveness is and how to do it. I know we don't have much time, uh, and I'll direct our listeners in just a few minutes to where they can hear more about this. Start on that topic, Frank. What is forgiveness, and then how do you do it? Wow. <laughs> yeah, and you, you got about 10 minutes, bro. So. <laughs> what is forgiveness? It's multifold. It's, first of all, the Greek word, releasing the debt, saying to somebody, you're not going to owe me any more for this. As long as we have a mindset that someone has to pay, we will never experience the power of forgiveness. Look at the way the Lord Jesus Christ treated us. Is there anywhere in the New Testament where he says, I'm going to give my blood, but you still have to pay? Of course not. So that's the, the key element of what forgiveness is. It's totally and completely releasing the debt that someone owes you. Now, the big thing people think at that point is, well, then I'm just letting them go scot-free. Well, no, uh, God, remember, is the one whose job it is to bring vengeance, not you. And by the way, he's so creative at it. I remember in the old book, there were some people that were being a pain in the backside. So he gave them hemorrhoids. You know, Jezebel was an adulterer. So he gave her a bed. I mean, God is very creative at, at vengeance. I would never think of giving somebody hemorrhoids. But it goes beyond that. I think that it's, it's such a richer, greater issue. When the Lord Jesus Christ forgave us, he's the one who suffered. So forgiveness comes with a cost, and the cost is borne by the one who does the forgiving. And so if I could just give a quick illustration. For a 25-year anniversary, I bought Janet a great big old ring. Now, I didn't have the money. So I bought it on time. So here's the key. I gave her the ring at a moment in time, but I paid for it for a long time. And that's, that's forgiveness. It's an event that takes place in a moment. And then it's a process. So I'm going to forgive this person who hurt me. That's an event. It's done. And then I learned to live in that forgiveness. And that's where I bear 
the cost. And John, I think this is what explains that verse that says we fill up the sufferings of Christ. We bear the cost of forgiving others. And that way, people who experience our forgiveness are experiencing Christ's forgiveness in a very real way in the present world we live in. And that's the power of the gospel. Oh, wow. And so what you're saying, Frank, is that we might very well carry the memory of this offense for the rest of our lives. So, we may. Yeah, we may. We, perhaps it might fade in time, but we might. And we might feel the same way about how we were offended uh, for years to come. But forgiveness, if I'm hearing you correctly, is not a feeling. Feeling no. is a choice, a determined act of our will at a point of time. Uh, I remember we went through this years and years ago. You encourage us to make lists of every offense that the Holy Spirit brings to mind. And we went through as act of our, acts of our will and chose to forgive each one of those, draw a line through it, and then write the date. Yes, I remember that offense, but oh, look at my sheet. I <laughs> gave that in 1992. And so it's behind me now. The offense might still be burned into my memory, but I have forgiven them and I now can walk in freedom. My friend, that's probably the most forgiving, most freeing thing that I think any one of us ever needs to hear. Yeah, you know, John, when I made my list, and it is true, you know, you can look at that and say, oh, I forgave that. Satan, go play your flesh trip on somebody else. You're not going to sell me that bill of goods anymore and let me sink into critical, negative, vengeful thinking. I'm just not going there anymore because I've forgiven. But you know who was number one on my list, John? It was me. What people had done to me growing up was wrong. But what I did to myself because of what they did to me was worse than any of the wrongs they had done to me. I allowed myself, made the choice to become a very ugly, self-protective, angry, vengeful, unloving person. I couldn't love anybody and I wouldn't let anybody love me. And that was my fault. And I needed to forgive myself for choosing to do that to myself because of what other people had done. And I, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that's a lot of people's issues. Oh, I think you're right. And in case our, our listeners, in case you get the idea that uh, this bitterness and unforgiveness occurred in our lives when we were unsaved. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, we can we can walk the aisles of church every Sunday and smile big and carry this bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness every place we go. The problem is that when that's your mindset, you're living a lie first. And second, that's what you put on on the outside. So when people meet with you for the first time, it won't take long before your bitterness and unforgiveness comes out. Mm. Wow. It really is important to put on the truth about you, forgiveness and compassion and, and freedom, because it makes a difference in how you live your life and how others live their lives with you. Yeah. And, you know, John, we started this with that quote from that guy at that sexual abuse seminar. He said, 
forgive your offender and boldly love them. And, you know, as we wind this down, I think that's where I would want to end up. It doesn't mean that person goes scot-free. One, you've turned them over to God. He's going to work on them. He's going to send those torturers. He's going to do the convicting that the Holy Spirit promises he will do to bring them to a place of repentance, hopefully, so that you can have restoration. But boldly loving somebody may mean as you're led by the spirit, that you confront them for what they did, maybe hold them accountable for what they did. I remember years ago, this is probably 40 years ago, there was a guy and he was physically abusing his wife. And we had her call the police and uh, charge him uh, with crime. And then through the trial, she sat with him and held his hand and loved him as she testified against him. And it was, it was so powerful because what we were witnessing was Jesus living his life on this planet, just like he did 2000 years ago. And uh, she loved him to the point of holding him accountable for what he had done and what he was doing. And through that process, he broke and eventually became a believer as uh, his wife boldly loved him. So it doesn't mean we're passive, but it doesn't mean also that we go on the offensive. I think the real key here is you've got to be led by the spirit. I've said, Lord, I'm willing to confront that person. And sometimes he's led me to confront them and I'm willing to confront them. And sometimes he has not led me. Like you said earlier, sometimes it's someone else's job. We don't play God. We let the Holy Spirit be God in our lives, and he will lead us faithfully as we trust him. Amen, amen, amen. Well, dear friends, you've been listening to the Our Resolute Hope podcast, and Frank and I have been talking about uh, probably one of the most difficult one another's, to forgive one another. We encourage you to visit our website, ourresolutehope.com, and those messages, those three messages that Frank has referenced, are available on our website. I've specifically highlighted them for us. Uh, you can find them uh, either in our members portal or depending upon when this broadcast comes live, we will have revamped our webpage so that it's now uh, available in our featured content. Either way, access is free. Please listen to those. I will speak as an elder in the church, was it more than 30 years ago when these messages first came out? that uh, we saw more change in people's lives because of these messages on freedom than I think we've ever seen uh, before then, or perhaps even since then. And so please take a look at those messages. Give it a listen. We trust that uh, the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a uh, miraculous way and in a way that brings freedom to your life. And of course, while you're there on the webpage, pop us an email, sign up for a newsletter. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, of course, Check out all of our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, we have our own YouTube channel. And as always, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter six, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. We call it a resolute hope, uh, a bedrock, immovable kind of hope. So no matter what you face, no matter what wrong has been done against you, as you walk the path of forgiveness, you have a hope in you.
that hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.